Welcome to Kingstar Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God's word will impact your everyday life. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your glory. Thank you, Lord, because surely it's not by might, not by power, but by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for gathering us from across this city, across this land, across the nations, under that name, that beautiful name that's above every name. And now, Lord, tonight we open our hearts, we open our spirits. Speak to us, quicken us, let there be an infusion of life. Let there be a deposit of life, the life of God. Let there be a quickening of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Lord, we honor you. Amen. Hallelujah. You may kindly take your seats. Thank you so much. It's a great joy to be here tonight. It's, a, it's always a joy to come to Tanzania. Your hospitality has always been wonderful, impeccable, and uh, your love for the Lord has always been something that uh, stirs us on and uh, encourages us to come back. There's nothing uh, as beautiful as finding a bunch of people who are hungry for God, who love the Lord. They make everything worthwhile. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to appreciate Pastor Ansia and her lovely, lovely, together with Pastor Ellie and the entire ministry team. Come on, let's give God a mighty hand of praise. You guys are doing a beautiful job and uh, we thank God for you. We thank God for his grace in you and for the revelation of his power in you. And uh, we're so glad as we see you go from glory to glory, from faith to faith. Amen. It is wonderful when we grow in God and we see the grace of God and we see the goodness of God uh, revealed in our midst uh, every single day. Amen. I bring you greetings from uh, Bishop Fred O'Kello. He literally sent his he literally sent his his greetings in word and in kind. Hallelujah. If you encounter the glory and the beauty in the name of Pastor Nema, that is a, a deposit of better things to come. Mushika, Mushika. It's a deposit. She's a revelation of uh, good things coming. So hold your faith. Hallelujah. Amen. We're in the book of Luke chapter 18. As Pastor Sia said, when I had this prayer, it really stirred my heart, this prayer conference, flourishing in prayer. It stirred my heart and my spirit because I... Uh, I never intended to do ministry. I just wanted to pray. I never intended to go to the nations. I just wanted to pray. I never intended to open blind eyes. I never intended to do any miracle to cause the lame to walk or to, to speak healing or, or, or deliverance or casting out devils. I never intended any of that. All I wanted was to pray. My life was... Uh, impacted and empowered and transformed in the place of prayer. I don't think there's anything 
more potent, more powerful than the power of prayer. And as the people of God, when that power of prayer is released in us, we, we get into realms and dimensions that we have no idea about. So when you tell me to talk about prayer, I feel like a kid in an ice cream shop. I, I, I don't know where to start. I, so if, I, if I'm all over the place, if, I'm, uh, if, I, if, if I want the conference to go for another week, uh, if, uh, or if I'm not stopping, you blame Pastor and Sia, you're the ones who did this. Because when it comes to prayer, uh, it's, uh, it is so special to my heart and to my spirit. I observe people a lot. I observe how they carry themselves. I observe how they dress. I observe how they talk. I observe how they spend their money and how they make it. But the thing that touches my heart the most and the thing that I always pay the most attention to is how they pray. Because how they pray defines who they are, who, where they are, where they're going, and what they're going to achieve in life. And uh, how they pray, uh, when they pray, how they pray, tells me all I need to know about their spirit. It gives me a snapshot into their heart, into their spirit, and I can have a good, a good understanding, a good revelation of their destiny. I can have a good understanding of what their next 20 years is going to be like when I take a snapshot in the realm of the spirit and look at their prayer life. Prayer, therefore, to me, is uh, not uh, something I talk about. It's a way of life. Prayer, therefore, to me, is not something that uh, uh, I uh, share about. It is something that I leave. Prayer, therefore, to me, is something that uh, gets me going, keeps me going. It is something that uh, uh, when, I, when, I, when I have that ignition, that release of that anointing, and that place of prayer, it just sets me into a realm, into a, a dimension that is totally uh, out of this world. Hallelujah. Uh, when I was growing up in the Lord, I was always in church, always in prayer. My pastor uh, 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 always complained in a, in a good way because he would leave me at church praying and find me at church praying. After six months, he said, I've noticed, and for the past six months, every three nights you are here. And uh, he sat down with his board of uh, pastors and elders. I was about 18 uh, then, 16, 18. And he sat down with the board and said, this chap has been here every month, two, every week, three times a week, praying alone. And I've taken note of him. Who is he? Of course, he knew me. Uh, but that day he asked again, who is this guy? So he called the pastors and the elders and they had a meeting in the pastor's office and he was asking them, questioning them, who is this young man? And all that is because of prayer. And like I said, uh, everything that's been done in my life has been accidental. The only thing that I ever set out to do was to pray. Everything else is accidental. Everything else is, is, uh, is, is consequential. It's, it's a result of. Uh, because out of that place of prayer, uh, my life has been so empowered and so quickened. We're in the book of Luke, chapter 18. I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. The Bible declares, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should pray always and never give up. And there was a judge in a city, and uh, he said, uh, 
excuse me, I'll read that again. There was a judge in the city, uh, and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I do not fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. Six. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Verse 8, the end of it, he says, But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? This is a beautiful parable uh, that Jesus is telling his disciples. It's a story, it's a, an illustration of a spiritual truth. He's saying to them, a widow is looking for justice. She's unable to get justice. She's unable to get help. Because the judge who's supposed to mete out justice is, justice is unfair. He is not a godly man. Is ungodly, is unfair, is a big player, is not interested in the little widow. The Bible says she calls to him day and night and is just ignoring her. At some point, he wakes up and is like, you know what? If I don't do something about this lady, she's going to wear me out. She's going to break me down and uh, she's going to cause me so much trouble. Let me deal with her situation now permanently once and for all. And Jesus goes on to say, if an unjust and an ungodly man is pushed to answer prayer, how much more will our, godly, uh, will our God, our heavenly father, how much more will a father who loves us, how much more will a God who calls us his children? And then he says he will give justice and he says that he will do quickly. But the question is, he ends with a question, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? Amen. The Christian life cannot grow, cannot flourish without prayer. You cannot grow in God without prayer. You cannot increase in leaps and bounds in God without prayer. The speed of your growth is a revelation of your prayer. The speed of the increase in the realms of the Spirit and in the things of God is a revelation of the prayer that you have been engaging in. And as a child of God, your life will accelerate. Your spiritual life will accelerate when you step into dimensions of prayer that you have not been at. So we want to talk about how to flourish in prayer. How we can get to that place where spiritual lives are doing as good as they can do as a result of prayer. We want to also talk about how by flourishing in prayer, we flourish in all the other areas of our lives. We want to see how through prayer, we have the grace, the anointing, the, the, the power of God causing a cascading release of his grace in every other area of our lives. And how through prayer, 
we can get into those great dimensions of flourishing and, uh, and doing so well and seeing the grace and the goodness of God. We're looking at Moses. We're looking at how he comes to Egypt. He's been in the wilderness for 40 years of prayer. We see that Moses has been praying, waiting on God for 40 years. He finally comes after that encounter with the burning bush, encounter with God. After that place of prayer, he comes to Egypt and he's just popping miracles like popcorn everywhere, left, right and center. It is because he's been in prayer for 40 long years. He's met with God. So when he shows up and he's just uh, taking a stroll by the beach, it looks nice and calm. And uh, when the pictures have been put on Instagram, it looks effortless. But the man has been in prayer for 40 long years, waiting upon God. No wonder the Red Sea cannot stand before him. No wonder fire is following him at night and a cloud by day. Because this guy is not just showing up out of nowhere. He's coming from the place of prayer. It's the same thing that we see with Joshua. When Joshua goes into the promised land, he's been serving, he's been praying, he's been in the presence of God. Every time Moses is going up the mountain to pray and wait, Joshua is there praying as well. That's why when he goes to Jericho, Jericho just can't stand the man. The entire promised land can't stand. They can't resist. They can't hold back because he's not just showing up. He's not just speaking. He's just, he didn't show up today. He didn't, he didn't just pick up a new gig. The guy has been doing this thing called prayer way beyond what everyone can see. I call prayer an iceberg. You see very little, but there's so much under it. You cannot fathom it. And what little you see, don't be deceived by it. Don't look at it and think, you know what? This guy just prays two-minute prayers. Hallelujah. Man, before the guy prayed two minutes prayer, you think it's a two-minute prayer? The guy's been fasting for 16 years. 16 years. He's been fasting. 16 years. Moses shows up. He's been up the hill, up the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He's communing with angels and God 40 days, non-stop, no commercial break, no TikTok break, didn't drop kids at school. The guy is non-stop in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he shows up casually, he looks casually and says, well, what are you guys saying? Whatever you're saying, let the earth open and swallow you. It sounds very casual until the earth opens and actually swallows everybody. You know, so prayer is like an iceberg. What you see is very little. What is behind it, what is under it is massive. And therefore, we must understand how through prayer, Joshua, we see that he was able to conquer that promised land. Not, not because he had a big army, not because he had great connections, but because he's coming from a place of prayer. And I tell you, of all the people that prayed in the scriptures, Joshua is one of a kind. Moses, Moses was something else, guys. Moses was something else. He prayed prayed and prayed and got to a place he just lifted his hands. I mean, by the time you prayed so much, you just lift hands and, and the whole country is winning. And then hands get tired, they go down and things are falling apart. Uh, and the air is falling apart and the cars are crashing and everything, the equipment is crashing and then you just lift hands for two minutes and everything falls in place. And you know, the, these guys were like, man, Moses, we have to keep those hands up. So Moses' hands are up and then the elders and the leaders are 
around him pick up the anointing and they lift his hands up until the enemies of Israel are defeated just by lifting hands, just by lifting hands. He's just watching the battle from a hill, just, just chilling under a tree, under an umbrella, lifting hands. And the guys in the valley think it's all about them. It's not about how big you are. Moses is up there lifting hands. And I know it sounds lazy and I know it looks like this man of God, this Moses chap is, is a little lazy. Can't he get into the thick of things? No, 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 no. It is more work in the realm of prayer than fighting with a thousand swords and missiles and all that. But you see, Moses, as he lifts hands, victory is won. But I'm mesmerized by this man, Joshua, because Joshua prays. And one prayer that has not been seen since, he prays and says, son, wait. I've got unfinished business. Guys, forget these chaps fooling you around with, 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 with cryptocurrency. Forget that. We're giving you passwords of cryptocurrency, one coin, 21 coin. Now you have it, now you don't. For, forget those magic tricks. Forget the smoke screens and the fireworks and, uh, and the bright lights. Forget that. Forget that. Forget the, 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 the nice white suits. Forget that. This chap looks at son and says, son, you're going to wait. Not 15 minutes. The, the, the clock didn't just have a hiccup. The batteries were not running low. This guy puts the sun on pause. Now, do you know the intricacy, the intricate detail of putting the sun on pause? Do you know the cosmic powers involved? The moon, the sun, the stars, the galaxy, the Milky Way. By the time you put the sun to a standstill, the cycle of events that you have suddenly messed with are not just on the planet. Throughout the scripture, I have not seen God answer prayer with as profound impact like when he did with Joshua. Because the entire continuum, time-space continuum, is, there's been a, a span of thrown in the works because we have to account for those six hours. Were they six? We have to account for six hours where a man dared to pray. Now, I'm not trying to get you to pray things in the cosmos galaxy and in the Milky Way. <laughs> That's, that's not how we do it at King's Touch here. You know that. We're, we're not, that's not how we do it. But I want to show you the power in prayer. So much so that, that the entire Milky Way is affected by one prayer. How much more are the little things on planet Earth? How much more? How much easy, how, how, how straightforward are the things that I hear in, 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 in Mikocheni here, just here, in Sinza here. Oh, this is Sinza, sorry. How much more the things just in Sinza here? If God can answer prayer that has eternal significance and impact that literally affects the Milky Way, now, if you don't know what I'm saying about the Milky Way, just look holy. 
it is well. Hallelujah. When I pause, you say, Amen. Amen. When I pause, you say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> but if God can answer prayer that has such far-reaching consequences, how much more will God be able to answer the prayers that literally affect you? So when we come to prayer, we must learn to flourish and learn to activate and learn to operate in the place of prayer. Because believe it or not, there comes a time where you must have a direct line with God. Must have direct connection with God. Must be able to pray and get results. I mean, just think about it. God has given Joshua the victory. He's winning and the son says, guys, it's time out. I've, 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 I've ended my shift. Uh, you start again tomorrow. Joshua figures without son, this thing is going, to, is going to be hard tomorrow. I need to finish this thing tonight. It ends tonight. And Joshua prays, believing and trusting God to pause the sun. What audacity. <laughs> if it was Pastor Dennis, he would have said, guys, uh, next weekend we have canceled the, 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 the whole something. We can give our enemies some peace. They, they know we are, not, we are not joking. They know we can, we, can, we can beat. Now they know. They will not come back. Joshua says, no. Now, by, by, this time to, by this time tomorrow, they will all be finished. By the time the sun goes down, this gig will be over. God, I need that sun. I need it to stay on until this gig is done. Man, what a man. But you see, I'm not surprised because he was in the shadow of Moses. When Moses went up the mountain, Joshua was always there. He was there seeking, praying, learning, growing, flourishing in prayer. He was there activating that grace. He was there activating that anointing. When the hour of need came, he was able to literally just release it. I'm also reminded of Jesus as we fast forward to the Garden of Olives, Luke 22. Jesus from 39 is in prayer. He's in prayer battling for the souls of humanity. He's all God, all powerful, almighty. The devil has absolutely nothing on him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans can't even breathe without him giving the clearance. Yet he still has to humble himself to the most brutal of death, which is the death on the cross. And humble himself to pay the price, not just for the people that were alive, but those that the living, the born the unborn, the dead, for all humanity. What he was going to do had such great impact. It was reaching out into the future. It was reaching out into the past. And he needed to pray. So he said, guys, let's, let's take this thing to the prayer chamber. He took his disciples into that garden of Gethsemane and, and they're praying. The Bible says that they are praying. He's sweating. And his sweat is like drops of blood. 
because the souls of men are in the balance. If he does not go through with the plan of destiny, the eternal plan of God, and uh, uh, sacrifice his life on that cross, uh, we have to start again. If it doesn't come through for humanity and pay that ultimate price, what God has predestined to do 2,000 years later in uh, Sinza will suddenly be short-circuited 2,000 years ago in an, in, in an Israel desert. So he has to pray and bring it to pass and bring it to fruition and bring it to manifestation. He prayed so hard, no one has ever prayed so hard. No one has ever prayed so hard and no one has ever prayed so fervently. No one has ever prayed with such urgency because there was no tomorrow. That sacrifice had to be made at that time. So Jesus, Jesus prays and we can see how effective how fruitful that prayer was. When Jesus was done praying, he folded his kanzu. We call it kanzu right here. Folded his kanzu and says, boys, let's do this. <laughs> Hallelujah. He, he, he twisted his neck. Guys, let's do this. All right. Effective prayer number one is a place of strength. It's a place that strengthens you to do the things that you must do. If you cannot pray and you don't flourish in prayer, you will not be strengthened. Jesus was able to carry that cross and carry the sin of the world because he was strengthened in the place of prayer. If you cannot bring forth, if you cannot do what needs to be done, it's a sign that you are of little strength. The Bible says, when the lady has come to the hour of delivery and she has no power to bring forth the baby, she is of little strength. Hallelujah. And there's nothing as bad as carrying a child for nine months and getting ready to deliver and you are of little strength. And in the realms of God, many times people have been given the opportunity, the chance to do great and glorious things, but they are of little strength. So when your strength is failing you, don't bind the devil. Go to God so you can download more strength. I know you do it with your power bank. You look at it and it is at 10% and you're like, this thing has run out of juice. I need to give it more, more juice, more juice. Then you plug it in and give it more juice. Amen? In the same way, prayer, effective prayer, prayer that causes us to flourish is a place of strength. I tell you, when you come out of prayer, you feel like you can carry a building. Hallelujah. You feel like all things are possible. In your vocabulary, you forget some words like, like no, you don't know no, like, like impossible, you don't know impossible, like, like, uh, like, like tomorrow, you don't know tomorrow, but you, you feel like strong. You might be so small, but you feel like the Hulk, 
you feel like you are you are massive because prayer flourishing prayer strengthens you so are you running out of strength are you running out of ideas and running out of strategies and running out of the ability to keep running and keep going it is evidence that you are running low on strength and the place where you're strengthened is the place of prayer I tell you, move, move. When you see a man coming out of prayer, move, move. You might, you might become collateral damage. Just move. Move out of his way. Hallelujah. You, you don't want to be collateral damage. Hallelujah. Just move. You don't know what God's told him. You don't know what God's released in him. The guy might be throwing lightning out of his hands. Just move. Just move. After he calms down a bit and he's had a cup of tea, you can start see what, what, what. But when it's coming from prayer, just move. Hallelujah. Because prayer, flourishing prayer is a place of strengthening. It's also a place of guidance. It's a place where God gives us guidance. A place where God shows us, guides us, leads us. You know, you don't know everything about where you're going. But God will guide you every step of the way. And that is why when you keep in the place of prayer, you keep downloading fresh guidance, fresh direction. You keep di- uh, uh, downloading fresh instruction. You keep downloading fresh instructions from God. Flourishing in prayer means that you are not only strengthened by God, it also means that you are receiving the guidance of God. So you don't do business with a crook. You don't pay a thug to run off with your money. Hallelujah. You don't buy the one coin and the two coin and the three coin. And then you, all you have is a password. Hallelujah. And all your money is gone. You receive guidance. Amen. Many times people have come to pitch business ideas to me. And uh, when I tell them, let me pray, they, 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 they say, all right, we'll let you pray. But every time I begin to pray, sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I begin to pray and God says, don't waste my time. That's a no. That's a no. Don't waste my time. Amen. Have you ever asked daddy for something, kids? You come and say, daddy, movie? No. It's Monday. No movie is Monday. Movie night is Friday, right? Hallelujah. I don't know about your house. My house, movie night is Friday. We let the kids... Watch a movie on Friday. Monday is school night. So I don't care how tired you are, what's been going on. Daddy, when, before the word movie comes out of your mouth Monday, no. No. Hallelujah. In the same way, effective flourishing in prayer ensures that you're flourishing in life because you receive guidance. Hallelujah. If you don't receive the guidance of God, you'll sell your house to the devil. And he'll kick you to the street. You'll take your hard-earned cash and give it away for nothing. Huh? You will buy hot air. Real hot air. Amen? It seems like in Africa we're specialists in selling air. Hot air. That's why witch doctors have a thriving business. Because they sell air. Huh? They sell promises. They say, don't worry, but you'll take this herb and you'll chew it on the left side of the mouth <laughs> and then money will come from the right. Wow. 
hot air. Huh? Hallelujah. Nothing but hot air. When you're in the place of prayer, you receive guidance. You flourish when you have guidance. You avoid these mistakes when you have guidance. You get, you get the right thing at the right time when you have guidance. Hallelujah. People won't tell you. That, that guy is a thug. No one will tell you. Even his broker knows. This chap is a thug. His mom knows too. He's a thug. So when you come home with him, she's shaking her head. She's, not, she's just saying, God, not another one. She's just, everybody knows, but they won't tell you. And that's why you need the guidance of God. God will whisper and say, no. Hallelujah. You flourish in prayer. You flourish in life because you have guidance. Number three, place of prayer, flourishing in prayer. That place of prayer is what we call the classroom. It's the place of learning. Hallelujah. As you come to God in prayer, in that place of prayer, God is teaching you, guiding you, showing you, instructing you, teaching you everything about everything. Uh, teaching you, showing you, causing you to learn everything about everything. You've all heard about the Wright brothers who are credited with the plane, the, the brothers who made the plane. Uh, they made a beautiful plane that uh, flew and uh, the rest of the industry has used their first plane as the prototype and everything is built on what the Wright brothers did back then. What they don't tell you is that those boys, their father was a bishop. Tell your neighbor, Bishop Wright. That is their father. Their father was a bishop. He raised them in the Lord. He raised them in prayer. They had a vision, both of them, and a dream. And they saw themselves make an aeroplane. They began to pray and ask God for insights and revelations. They were not engineers. They were just simple mechanics. They, they had no uh, aeronomic degrees. No, they were just little simple mechanics. They say in their biography that many times they would hit a snug and they would go to pray. And in prayer, God will teach them how it works. It's that bad, or should I say it's that good. The whole industry is built on the key work of two men who were mechanics. To be precise, they were bicycle mechanics. So the first aeroplane, 95% of the parts were from bicycles. Now, if this is not God, I don't know if you'll see God. Take the, 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 the pedal and take the gears of a bicycle and make a plane. And the thing is flying. Huh? It's only in the place of prayer. So these guys would get into their lab doing their research. When they would hit a snug, they would hit a dead end. They would pause all the work they're doing and just pray. Sometimes for weeks and end. And then the presence of God would come down and then it would begin to teach them aerodynamics. Okay? First of all, the word wasn't there back then. There was no aerodynamics. It was called birds flying. Hallelujah. Amen? In prayer, God would begin to teach them. Hallelujah. Because 
prayer, if you flourish in prayer, you get to a place where you are taught. Number four, the prayer of that guy who is flourishing, that prayer causes him to create because number four, it is the kitchen. Prayer is the kitchen. I don't visit the kitchen much. I like what comes from it. But uh, if you took the ingredients to make a, great, a good meal and just let them be somewhere, you will not have a good meal. If you put the eggs in a, in a tray and put the flour on the table and put the butter and put the sugar, put everything on the counter, it's not going to become a cake. You put it together you mix it, you cook it, you beat it. You give it a process that makes it become a cake. In the same way, prayer is a kitchen. God will take his destiny, his plan, his purpose, his word, his inspiration, and put it together. And then you will see the manifestation of his promise. Where is the place he puts it together? It's called prayer, the kitchen. The kitchen for miracles is the place of prayer. If you want to cook a miracle, go to the prayer chamber. Hallelujah. Husband, your wife needs a miracle, go to the kitchen. You can cook one. Hallelujah. Husband, your wife needs that car, go to the kitchen. You can cook one. Hallelujah. Husband, that wife needs healing, go to the kitchen. You can cook one. Amen. Wife, the husband needs chapati and kuku, that one, that good kuku, go to the kitchen. You can cook one. Hallelujah. In the same way you can decide a menu and put it together in the kitchen, you can literally decide a spiritual menu in the place of prayer and put it together and then serve to the rest of us. We'll all see the manifestation. Number five, prayer. Flourishing in prayer is critical and prayer is that place not only where we cook and put it together but it's also the engine room. It makes it happen. Amen? You see, everything has a place where it is brought to life. For the things of God, prayer is the engine room. Hallelujah. When you've got to do something, make it happen, bring it together, prayer is that place. And if you cannot pray, there are many things you not bring forth. God will give you promises. God will give you his instructions. If you don't pray them down, you won't bring them forth. They'll just, they'll stay crazy words of a crazy man. Hallelujah. But when you take the words of God, the instruction of God, the guidance of God, and begin to pray it down, begin to pray it, then you literally make it happen in that engine room. You know, if you have a nice car, the car moves because of the engine. The fuel, the oil, everything meets in the engine. The power is released in the engine. 
That car is moving nowhere if it has no engine. Tell your neighbor, it goes nowhere if it has no engine. I don't care how good it looks. Hallelujah. You know, you find a nice little car. It looks nice and sharp and beautiful colors. If it has no engine, move on. It's going nowhere. Because without the engine, that car is no good. The spiritual life of the believer, your life, is going nowhere. Your physical life is going nowhere without the engine. And prayer is that engine room. Everything you see, everything you do, everything you fulfill is created in that place. That is what it is all about. For some people, prayer is a spare wheel. Spare as in when they have spare time, they pray. Spare as in when they're in trouble, they pray. The spare wheel gets them off, off the road, off you know, you have a flat tire. You say, all right, I'll, I'll put my flat, I'll put my spare wheel and, and get off the road and get home. We'll fix it tomorrow. But you see, prayer, prayer is not just a spare wheel. Prayer is the steering wheel. It should be the one leading, guiding, directing, and ensuring that uh, we're going in the right direction. Hallelujah. Prayer is not only that engine room, but prayer is the womb. Amen. Prayer is the womb. That's where the miracle is manufactured. That's where the miracle comes together. That's where the miracle is nurtured into. That's where the miracle gets hands and legs and life that's where the miracle gets, gets everything that it needs. Hallelujah. So you should set a time to pray. You should set a place to pray. You should set people that you pray with. And you should set your heart to pray. If you don't have a set time of prayer, you don't have an appointment with God. means you don't take God serious enough to have an appointment with him. How many of you would like an appointment with the president? She's a beautiful lady, and she's doing a good job, I think, uh, from, from what we are seeing. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm very serious. She's doing a good job, especially now, Uganda, all our oil is going to come through Tanzania. That's why I'm saying she's doing a good job. And, and, and recently, uh, petrol prices have been going up, and uh, our friend, uh, Raila in Kenya, was making things complicated. The good lady said, Kuja, kuja, come, let's talk. So we sent a delegation just a week ago. We've now signed a contract. All our fuel will come through Uganda. So she's a, she's a good, good, good lady. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of you would like an appointment with her? Good. How many would be happy if you got a message? The, the, the president would like to meet you. There's an appointment. Okay? Prepare yourself. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do, you're going to meet her. She's going to give you two hours. Go. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, if we are excited to have a set time for an, for, 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 for an earthly leader, for a political leader, how much more should we be excited 
when we have a set time with God. Amen? So don't tell me you pray anytime, anywhere, anyhow. Doesn't work that way. I want to know what time do you pray. Hallelujah. You need an appointment with God. I need you to have an appointment with God every day. Amen. Traffic or not, rain or not, tired or not, this is your time with God. Because if you're going to flourish in prayer, it's not going to be haphazard. It's not going to be anytime, anywhere. We'll see what happens next week. It's going to be an appointment. You're going to be serious with it. Amen. My appointments with God have been running. Some of them, my prayer appointments, have been running for 30 years. Amen. I've kept my, some of my prayer appointments for 30 years. Hallelujah. Amen. And so much so that, that when I'm not going to meet the appointment, I ask for permission from the Lord. I inform him in advance. Amen. Hallelujah. How do you like to have an appointment with me and you just cancel? No, no. No foreknowledge, no. Are you serious with this appointment? Hallelujah. My fri- I have a Friday night appointment with God that's been running for 30 years. When I'm on the missions field, I always keep that appointment. Sometimes things get a bit too busy. I say God, and I'm not saying with everyone, I'm saying me and God, amen? So when things get a bit busy, I, I, a week in advance, two weeks in advance, I move the, the appointment. And then there are times he says, all right, just let's do a week before. Or let's do uh, two, two, two hours before. Or, okay, no worries, we'll do it two days later. Hallelujah. St. Joe, you, you think God is some cheap power somewhere there. Somewhere there. Some, some cheap ghost. Some. That's, why you like those, that's why you like those funny movies of lightning. That, the Holy Ghost is not lightning. Is a person. So don't treat him like lightning. Huh? Hallelujah. Amen. Appointment. You need an appointment with the Lord. You need a set time. And you need to honor that appointment. Every day you need an appointment with the Lord. Hallelujah. You also need a place. The time is critical. The place is very critical as well. Because the place affects the results that you're going to have. Some of you, you do your appointments in public places. You can't talk private stuff in public places. You need a specific place. Amen? Hallelujah. Husband, allow your wife, let her go lock herself that side. You don't have to hear her prayers. Amen? Hallelujah. Your brother James, you're not brother Jaira. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're a good man. You're a very good man. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Sister, you're married. Doesn't mean you have to listen to every conversation. Let the brother have his closet, his time, and his place. Amen. Amen. Number three, make sure you have a people. Because you see, without a people, there's no accountability. God gives us a people in order for us to have accountability. And by a people, I mean a prayer partner. Amen. Someone that you pray with. Someone that prays with you. Someone that uh, grabs you by the hand and says, let's go pray. You need a prayer partner. Amen. If you don't have a prayer partner, you're going to struggle in a few things. Let's make it our habit to have a prayer partner. 
Thank you for your beautiful spouse. I know they are your prayer partner. That's wonderful. But I need you to have another prayer partner who is a, who is a prayer partner, prayer partner. <laughs> now, I know your spouse, you do pray. But sometimes, especially when she's so happy, before you pray, you first do the ministry of the Lord. <laughs> and uh, make sure that... Uh, the Bible says you don't give the devil a chance. You make sure you don't give the devil a chance. So we need a prayer partner, another one, who's not going to be your friend. He's going to look at you and say, hey, Pastor Dennis, <laughs> this thing is falling apart. This thing is falling apart. Let's, let's, let's do this now. Hallelujah. You need a prayer partner who say, you couldn't tarry with me two hours. You couldn't tarry two hours. Not the one who will just bring another blanket. <laughs> they are those good prayer partners. You're waiting on the Lord and sleep takes you. You, you, you. you had no blanket. You wake up, you're inside blanket. And the prayer partner is inside blanket as well. You need a prayer partner who is not inside blanket. Who will come and say, Pastor Dennis, you couldn't tarry one more hour. So I say, Amen. <laughs> you see, some of your prayer partners, they feel sorry for you. <laughs> they, they pray for you, feeling sorry for you. Hey, Yanni God. <laughs> you need a prayer partner, you won't feel sorry for you. Huh? Okay. When was the last time that prayer partner of yours who is covering you with, with some cover you with blanket, others with duvet, others with, with fleece. If your prayer partner is covering you with a fleece, you really need another prayer partner. That comfortable fleece, they put the AC at 18 and cover you with a fleece. Huh? When was the last time your prayer partner called fire on you? Huh? It's because they are feeling sorry for you. Your relationship has other benefits beyond prayer. So they pray, oh God, give him understanding. Give him insight. No. You need a prayer partner who says, fire, fire. Now chase away, fire. You need a prayer partner. Who will hold you accountable? Who will not play games with you? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And then you need to set, you set your heart, set your place, set your partner, set your people. Set your heart on prayer. Because when you set your heart on prayer, then you are not meandering. People try to use prayer as a clutch. Prayer as a by the way. Prayer as an inconvenience. Prayer should be a lifestyle. Prayer should be something you're set on. There's no two ways. There's no shortcut. There's no leaving it. This is what it is. Amen? You set your heart on it. If, 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 if you think prayer is boring, you're really going to struggle as a Christian. You're going to struggle a lot. Come, let's, let's release some, some grace and cast out some, some things. Because you must set your heart. It's not going to be easy. 
not always smooth sailing, but you must set your heart in that place of prayer because you understand as you set your heart, you pray. And when your heart is set, you maximize that which you need to maximize. All right. Prayer, three things that are critical. Prayer, number one, sets the atmosphere. That's why as we gather together and we pray, when we pray, you feel like the atmosphere is getting heavy, is getting potent, is getting stronger, is getting lighter, is getting... Before you know it, you feel like the atmosphere is, is charged because that's what prayer does. As we are flourishing in prayer, we are able to set the atmosphere. And when we set the atmosphere, things happen. You know, the atmosphere is very critical. If you took uh, flour and you baked it, and I mean, and you beat it and put it all together, ready for the cake, and you put it in an oven, chances are it will rise. If you put it in the fridge, chances are it will sit. It will go nowhere. It will freeze. The atmosphere is critical. And that is why prayer, as we flourish in prayer, we are able to set the right atmosphere. Many times, what fails people is not their capacity. It's their atmosphere. It's not their connections, it is their atmosphere. It's not their experience, their knowledge, it is their atmosphere. It's not their uh, 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 capability, it is their atmosphere. They are not in the right atmosphere. If you put that cake in the right atmosphere, in the right environment, it will rise. Hallelujah. And prayer is so critical, so important in setting the mood for the atmosphere. Number two, prayer nurtures miracles. Prayer nurtures miracles. Just like you nurture a child, just like you nurture uh, a pet, you take care of it and get the best and the most out of it. Prayer nurtures Miracles. Number three, prayer brings forth. Prayer brings forth. Prayer brings forth the promises of God. Prayer brings forth the word of God. Prayer brings forth the things of God. Prayer brings forth the destiny of God. That is why you just can't flourish as a Christian if you're not flourishing in prayer. Let me go back to the lady in Luke 18. The Bible says, here she was demanding justice. This man is ungodly, but Jesus tells us he answered the woman. Goes on to say, how about your heavenly father who loves you? How about your heavenly father who cares about you? Who is not only loving and caring, but is also good. His nature is good. Amen? 
How about that heavenly father whose nature is good? How much will he respond when we pray? Hallelujah. Because prayer brings forth. The promise, the word, the destiny is brought forth in prayer. It brings it forth. It takes it out of the realm of the spirit and brings it into the natural. It brings it forth. The size of what you're trying to bring forth determines the size of the prayer that you need to engage. You are not going to lift a truck with a wheelbarrow size of prayer. The strength to carry this phone is very little. I need much more to carry this pulpit. So the spiritual strength that you need in prayer is higher, greater, if the things that you're bringing forth are bigger. That's why you shouldn't be moved by people who pray for 10 minutes. They're finished because they're praying a 10-minute miracle, 10 minute miracle down that will last for 10 minutes. All they're praying for is rent for a month. Amen? It's not even for six months. Hallelujah. You are not praying for a one-month rent. The breakthrough that you're praying and believing God for is a destiny kind of breakthrough. Don't think you're going to pray the same prayer. Huh? Don't think you're going to use the same energy. Don't think you're going to use the same strength. No. That is why when this woman is demanding her breakthrough, she's not just asking for the judge to listen and, and, and give her relief. She's asking for justice. She's asking for breakthrough. She's saying, look, I'm not going to come back again. This thing that you're doing for me, judge, you're going to do it so well, it's going to sort me out for life. That is why she's praying with that same kind of energy. And believe me, if you put little energy in prayer, you get little results. Hallelujah. If you pray like you're, you are already made and uh, you just came down from your condo, and uh, you know people have apartments, but then others have condos. If, you, if you're coming, praying like you just came down from your condo, which is on the 12th floor, that's how you pray. When you're coming from your condo, you pray in two tongues. Oh, Jesus, shatter, shatter. Huh? But when you're still in the pits, you pray like a mad woman. They sweat. Even your sweat is sweating. They sweat everywhere. Huh? So you, you pray like you finished. You, you pray like, like, like you're the prime minister's daughter. You pray like you have mama's number and she's, you have an appointment. Huh? You, 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 you pray like you're sorted. No. 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 Huh? Don't pretend you're not sorted. No, no. You didn't come from a candle. Huh? No, you did not. Hallelujah. So I expect your prayer. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you must put the energy, the strength, the, the power into the prayer because you understand it's the prayer that's making it happen. Amen. Hallelujah. There are times you pray and you feel like, like God is in control. It's very good. But then there are times you need to pray not like God is in control. You need to pray like I need a breakthrough now. Those are two different prayers. See, when God is in control, you pray, say, God, behold, you giveth. You even pray in King James. And lo, say, lo, my Savior, behold, thou can taketh any time. That's a prayer. God is in control. There's a time you pray. Say, God. This sun is not going down. It's not happening now. There are times you pray and you understand yourself. Then there are times you pray even you don't understand yourself. Huh? There are times you're happy with God and you're praying and you're sweet Jesus, he's sweet Jesus. There are times things get bad. Say, God, are you a liar? Where are you? We've been singing that song for six months. Where are you now? Huh? <laughs> You see, you, you, some of you feel sorry for God. You pray feeling sorry for him. You even understand him very much. Say, God, me, I understand you. You're working behind the scenes. I understand you. I know at the end you will show me your goodness. You're praying in English. Huh? Sometimes you need to get old school. Say, God, I don't understand what you're up to. Look at David. That's how he prayed. Say, God, where, where, where are you? God, these lies that you're God and you're able. Where are you? Where? Huh? So, some of you are understanding. You don't want to upset heaven. You don't want to upset the neighbors. You, 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 don't, you don't want to, to upset the cherubims. Huh? Say, God, ah, uh, ah, uh, no. Liar, no, no, no. Sometimes you need to infuse that desperation into your prayer. Because the level of your need should determine the level of your... The intensity of your issue should determine the intensity of your prayer. Hallelujah. Some of you pray like you sleep in air-conditioned homes. Very nice and air-conditioned. You know what it means to sleep in a house that has no AC in dark? Huh? <laughs> when, I, when I first came to, to Tanzania, <laughs> a few years ago, uh, came by bus. The bus left me at a place called Munazi Moja. <laughs> Now, there were no cell phones then, so they told me, when you arrive, you wait. We will pick you. There's no phone, there's no what, there's no what. All the men at Munazi Moja, all of them had no shirts on. <laughs> belly out, scratching belly. 
Midnight, scratching billiards. Why are these guys no shot? I sat with them and then, then I told them, guys, I can't be with you here. Find me a hotel. So they found me a hotel not far. I went paid up at the hotel. When I went in, the chap scratching, scratching belly, big belly, drinking tea at, at, at midnight. I looked at him and said, where is the blanket? Where is the bed sheet? He laughed. He said, hey, where, where am Uganda? Where, where? <laughs> I, I didn't know what he meant. I said, where is the blanket? I, I, I paid for a room. I'm going to be here till someone will pick me up in the morning. Where is the blanket? Where is the bed sheets? He, lo- he laughed. He said, hey, where am Uganda? <laughs> I think it's code of saying, look at you. You have no idea how hot it is here. I had a shower and jumped into the bed. I couldn't sleep. Within 30 minutes, I was sweating. My sweat was sweating. I wanted to take skin off. I was looking for zip. Where you take skin off. Huh? I sat up and began to pray. Said, God, you have sent me to this land. (laughs) Break through this land. Some of you are praying like you are sleeping in sea. You, you just put it at 18 and put the, the, the TV on mute and put the, 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 the reminder. You even, you even have an, uh, 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 a, prayer, a prayer call. When the phone time to pray, it wakes up. Wake up and pray. Wake up and pray. <laughs> you need to pray like you don't know AC. Huh? You need to pray like you're going to die. You need to pray desperately. I've been to a few maternity wards. And believe me, I don't like visiting them much. But I'll never forget many years ago when my son was being born, I visited the maternity ward. I was traumatized. Everyone was angry in there. No one was nice. No one had lipstick or makeup. Sister, don't worry if you have not put on makeup in church for a long time. You came to pray. It's not the makeup. If you remember the makeup, no problem. But in the maternity ward, no one is saying, Oh, Shani, wait for me. Let me put the lipstick before we go to deliver. <laughs> huh? I looked in that maternity Every woman was mad. And then I found the men's section. All the men were quiet. <laughs> sitting in one place. No one was moving around. Because the women say, go sit there. Sit there. Sit down. You sit there. Eh? You sit down. Eh? <laughs> In the same way, when it comes to prayer, there are times you need to pray like a woman about to deliver. If you don't bring forth that prayer, the baby will have challenges. The mother will have challenges. You're not going to pray like you are on vacation. Huh? You don't pray like you're on vacation. You don't pray like you're taking it easy. You pray like you're dying. Amen. Brother, if by any chance, by the grace of God, you find yourself needing to visit a maternity ward, please be at your best behavior. Okay? Don't ask any unnecessary questions. Don't make any sudden moves. Sit in your designated seat. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. If there's a seat belt, put it on. <laughs> because when the woman is going to deliver, there's no time for monkey business. That's the attitude you want in prayer. 
you're, you're, you're handling eternal things and you're praying like you have another chance next week. Huh? You're praying like you have another chance next weekend. Huh? The thing that you're handling, if you don't go through now, destinies are lost. The gates are closing. And then you're praying like we shall try again next week. Huh? We're praying like it's okay. We'll try again next week. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, there are times you need to fast and forget about the days you are fasting and just fast. Amen? Until it is finished. Hallelujah. Until it is done. Amen? Hallelujah. There are times you need to pray without that deadline of, yeah, I have 30 minutes. And you came to pray? This is serious business. Pray like you're dying. That's the mood Jesus was in. <laughs> That's why when they came, he was in such a bad mood. In Gethsemane. When, they, when he came, they, 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 after praying, they came and said, we're looking for Jesus. He just said, ah. They were all slain in the Holy Ghost. So, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Was, ah. he, was, he was fed up. Hallelujah. So, in the realm of prayer, you need, finally, to tune your spirit. We tune cars, we tune engines, we tune sewing machines. Am I right? The seamstresses here. We tune equipment, we fine tune it, we tune it, we tune it, till we get what we want out of it. In the place of prayer, we also tune our spirits so that our spirits can do the things of the realm of the spirit. That's what prayer does. You use it to tune your spirit, to create that mood, to create that atmosphere, to heighten that moment, to set up that environment, that atmosphere, to tune your spirit to the place where it bears the fruit in the realm of the spirit. Because you see, your spirit is an amazing creation of God. It has the ability to bring forth life, bring forth grace, break through. It has the ability to understand. It has the ability to change. It has so much capacity. But you must tune it. Amen? Many years ago, one of my child, one of my children, one of my uh, young ones said to me, Daddy, I'm hungry. So we Said, all right, you're hungry, let's get you some food. Went, got them some food. And then uh, he says, I'm still hungry. We got him more food. It was about six. And then after that, he said, Daddy, I'm hungry, but I've had enough food. For a six-year-old, how can you be hungry when you've had enough food? Then he says, I am hungry for ice cream. He has been tuning his spirit. All these things he's eating, he's tuning his spirit to say, when I finish this, I need this ice cream. From then on, I realized that uh, I can have a specific hunger. Amen? You can be able to tune your spirit for that specific something. In the same way, let us learn to tune our spirits for prayer so that we are not just... Uh, 
haphazardly, by chance, by mistake. But we deliberately tune our spirits for prayer. Because we understand without appetite for prayer, we get into realms and dimensions that will cause us to flourish. Hallelujah. As a Christian, you will flourish when you pray. And as you flourish in prayer, every other area of your life will flourish. Therefore, you must specifically ensure that you tune your spirit for prayer so that all the other things will actually fall in place because that's where it comes from. If you don't tune your spirit for prayer, people will say things like, I don't feel like it. Uh, I forgot about it. Uh, yeah, I can, yeah, 10 minutes. I have some little 10 minutes. No, you need to heighten your spirit. You need to heighten your soul. You need to heighten your life for prayer. Because as you do, as you do, you get to realms, you get to levels, you get to dimensions where the things that God is releasing in you are at another level. About 25 years ago, I'm going to conclude. About 25 years ago, I was invited by someone to go preach. I invited me to go preach at his home and uh, minister to his sister. And uh, when I got there, she wasn't interested. And she turned on the TV and she turned on the music MTV and the world music is blaring while I'm preaching and she's telling me, keep preaching, I can hear you, keep preaching. I can hear you. After one hour of uh, frustration, I said, okay, that's enough. Let us pray. So she muted her television and we began to pray. And I said, God, thank you, but I've failed. I've tried to preach to this young lady. She's not interested. I have failed. I've completely failed. Suddenly, the girl began to run. We are holding hands in a circle. I realize she's about 22. She's trying to run away from me. So I open my eyes and she's trying to pull away and I'm holding her. And the, three of our, the, the, others, the, the, the other three of us are all holding hands and they are holding her. Suddenly the Lord told me, you have failed, so you say, but I have come as you have asked. And I'm touching her now. So we hold her hands. She's screaming. She's crying. We're still praying. After about 30 minutes, she's on her knees, sweating, repenting. After about another 30 minutes, she's confessing Jesus as her Savior, receiving the Lord. No one is leading her. After an hour of this I open my eyes and I see why. I realize the curtains in the house were blowing. All the windows are closed. The curtains are blowing. When I open my eyes and she's on her knees, the curtains are blowing. She looks at me and says, I have just been touched by God. I say, how? 
She says, when you began to pray, I saw the curtains. They were flying. So I went to close the windows. I realized the windows were closed. Then I realized that the Holy Spirit, God, has come into the place. I said, okay. Then I said, so we are holding hands. What's going on? Then she says, suddenly he began to speak. I said, no. I know his voice. I didn't hear it. What do you mean he began to speak? She says, no, I heard his voice. And he reached out and grabbed my shoulder. The Lord reached out, grabbed her shoulder, called her by her name, began to tell her all her sins. So all the things she was doing, she was actually following the instructions that the Lord was giving her. The sinner's prayer she prayed and all the repentance, the Lord was literally speaking to her. She was hearing him. He was grabbing her by the shoulder and that is why she was doing all that repenting. I said that to say, we can do so much. But the things of God, they are things that only God can do. Hallelujah. You can go so far, go into this boardroom, go into that meeting, go into that, go into that negotiation. But there are things that only God can do. Hallelujah. I'll never forget that young lady. She came to the Lord, began to serve the Lord, and completely, totally repented. Filled with, yes, filled with the Holy Spirit. By the time she left, she confessed the Lord. All the, she began to speak in tongues. We are still holding hands. I, I don't know what is going on. She's, still, she, she's filled with the Holy Spirit. She's speaking in tongues. What we cannot do in our own ability, God can do much, 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 much more. You're, you think your problem is this big. That is nothing. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you could think, ask or imagine. What you think is a limitation, it's actually not even a limitation. In the hands and in the eyes of God, it is a stepping stone. So you're praying God should remove the limitation. God is saying, I'm not removing it because it is a stepping stone. You're going to step on it to get to the next level. Because in the realm of prayer, we activate God. Hallelujah. In the realm of prayer, God becomes active. We activate God. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter what people say, what people do. When a man, a woman has come from that place of prayer and have met with God, doesn't matter what the limits, what the restrictions are, as long as they have met with God, that man, that woman are at another realm. They're in another level. Hallelujah. They are in another level as long as they've met with God in that place of prayer. So while the many things around us try to pull us and direct us and lead us, let us not forget that we are stronger when we have met with God in that place of prayer. You know, five minutes with man is so fruitful after two hours with God. Two hours with man is useless if you've had no minute with God. If your energies are all in the things of the world, they will be futile. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please continue. But if you come with the grace of God from the place of prayer, what would take you a hundred years, you will do in two. Yeah. 
What will take you 10 years, you will do in one. What people say you can never do, it will be done. And you won't even realize it. When you come to that place, you get to a place where you function not in the strength and in the ability of man, but in the grace and in the strength of God. It is all in prayer. It's not how loud, it's not how long, but it is how impactful. It is how heavy. It is how potent. It is how loaded it is. You can have a five minutes of prayer that is loaded with power of 17 hours. Just five minutes. But when it is absolutely, completely, totally loaded. Hallelujah. So that place of prayer is the place where you meet with God. And after you've met with God, you come and manifest God. There are many things we can do. Ideas, strategies. But when you've been in that place of prayer, God just does it. God just does it. A man of God was in the States in prayer. He was in the line trying to get onto a plane. The, the, uh, the, the, the pilot came uh, and said, uh, the plane is full. We want two people to get off. We'll give you money. Get off. The Lord told him in prayer. He said, look, get off the plane now. Get off. He got off the plane. The plane took off. 30 minutes later, it crashed. Everyone is crying. They say, the man of God is gone. He's not on the plane. God has sent someone. 30 minutes before to get him off the plane because of prayer. Hallelujah. Because you see, when you're in prayer, you're with God. You're not just, you're not just gambling around. You're not just, you're not just, it's not trial and error. This is foolproof. You're with God. Hallelujah. And the things that you cannot do, God does them. And God makes them very, very easy. Amen. You know, there are things you can do and you really see you've done a lot and you've worked hard. Then there are things that God will do and you can clearly testify, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with this. I'm just watching as God is doing his thing. Matter of fact, you feel like Moses watching God split the Red Sea. It's like a movie, you're like, wow. So that's how seas split, wow. Wow. So that's what dry ground looks like. Amen. When you're in the place of prayer, even you are shocked at what God is doing. Someone say amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and share the message to your family and friends. Follow us on our social media at Kingstar Church.